Okay, we are back for part two. We're going to talk about the National League now. This is Marty Coleman. I'm with Parker Coleman. Parker's going to do 95 to 97% of the talking. I will interject occasionally. This is his show. He wants to talk baseball, did a great job on the American League, and now we're going to talk National League. Take it away, Parker Coleman. Back here at the National League, we talk about the American League. So if you're interested in that, if anybody remembers to put the link in the description, then it'll be there. Not then. Sorry, you just have to go to the channel. But um, we're talking about the National League, and I feel like it's going to be more even because I feel like until the Cardinals won their 17-game winning streak, the National League was – the wild card race was boring, but that was also before the Padres fell off. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of better teams. There will be a lot of worse teams, but the National League, it will be interesting. Starting off with the National League East, we have the Atlanta Braves, and I know that the Mets made a lot of improvements – but I have two retorts to that. One is that Jacob DeGrom and possibly Max Scherzer are injured. And two, the Mets made a lot of improvements last year and the year before that. And probably the year before that. You have to if you're the Mets, you have to beat the Braves to see that you're better than them. If they beat the if they beat the Braves this year and finish above them, then sure. But the Braves, even though they lost Freddie Freeman, they added a a few good bullpen arms, namely Kenley Jansen. And adding Matt Olson is big. And this is a very uh, hard topic to talk about, probably mainly to an Atlanta fan. But Matt Olson is a better player right now than Freddie Freeman. However, part of me doesn't agree with the trade. And it's because you gave away these all these top prospects. Maybe you could have made a dynasty to try and chase one more championship or so. I just feel like it would have been easier to give Freddie Freeman five to ten million dollars and keep all your prospects and keep the locker room happy. Um, that being said, the Braves are still gonna be good this year. I mean, they're coming off of a World Series win, so it's not like there was some bad team last year. I think the most interesting team to be talking about is the Mets, because um Scherzer and DeGrom both I mean DeGrom is injured, but Scherzer possibly I heard he's day to day. The Mets are apparently considering a bullpen game for their first game, which is crazy in my opinion. But they did make some moves. They got Eduardo Escobar, Mark Hanha, and somebody else. I don't know who it is. But um, they did make some moves. They did show, uh, Steve Cohen did show that he wanted to make his best efforts. Starling Marte, that's who it is. Okay, let's try it again. They made some moves. They got Eduardo Escobar, Mark Conha, Estelle Marte. So those are some good uh, good offensive moves. The Mets struggled on offense a whole lot last year. I think Lindor bounces back. Maybe he's not as good as he was in his prime years in Cleveland, but he's still going to be pretty good this year, in my opinion. Mets pitching also got a lot better. The Mets are on paper supposed to be the best, uh, not probably not the best, but a lot better than usual which means that they're going to be a lot worse than usual because that's how the Mets are. But, no, I think that if everything goes right for them, that's a big if for the Mets. They could finish 90-72, maybe get up to 94-95 wins. That's a pretty conservative guess. I think the third-place team is obviously going to be the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies 1-6, through six, they're scary good. And they got Harper, they got Castellanos, Ramuda's pretty good. And um, there's there's more guys. Reese Hoskins is pretty good. They're just coming to me. But it's going to be hard for the Phillies because I know they added Corey Knable. 
it's hard to say that to believe in them because a they have spent almost a billion dollars since 2018, and they have finished 82 and 80 or worse every single year since 2018. However, another reason why it's hard to believe in them is the defense. Now, this is probably something that Phillies fans disagree with, and they're like, oh, people just want to hate the Phillies because it's funny to laugh at a team that fails constantly. But they are projected to be one of the worst defense teams in MLB history, almost in NBA history. But they're, they're projected to be one of the worst teams in MLB history. And that's big because they don't have a lot of strikeout guys. Um, Wheeler, Nola, great pitchers. Zach Eflin's pretty good. Last two, last two starts. Ranger Suarez, he's pretty solid. The starters aren't really an issue. I'd say it's still the bullpen. I think it's better than the last uh, few years have been. I still want to call it a good bullpen right now. I mean, they had one of the record-worth bullpens in 2020, so it's not like you can get any worse than that. Um, but with them not being strikeout pitchers, it's going to be hard because you're going to have so many fielding errors, and that's probably going to cause them to melt down, if that makes sense. Phillies could possibly go from 83 to 88 wins. I think it's possible to make the playoffs, but I still feel like they don't have the right team. I just feel like there's something fundamentally wrong with the Phillies, and they need to get it checked out. Now, we're going to go to the Marlins, the fourth seed, and seed, the fourth team, fourth place team in the National League East. The Marlins, their rotation's very, very good. Everything else, I don't want to say isn't, but is pretty close to not being very, very good. Their bullpen, from what I've heard, not very good. I don't. I don't. I think the NL East is one of the um, divisions I pay attention to least. So it's hard for me to talk about it from this perspective. I've heard the bullpen's not very good. They they made some better, made some acquisitions on offense. Jorge Soler and Jacob Stallings are two pretty good guys. We're still gonna have Jazz Church on this. We're gonna have Jesus Aguilar. Jesus Sanchez has a chance of being good. And. I'm going to try that again because I hit that. Um, Jorge Soler and Jacob Stallings are two very good acquisitions. Um, they're not, I don't know if I call them all-stars or anything like that. However, they do have great potential to be very solid for this Marlins team. Um, you still have Jazz Chosen. You still have Pedro Aguilar. You still have um, maybe Brian Anderson if he can perform better. Garrett Cooper is going to get to play. Um, and... Jesus Sanchez was pretty good in the minors, but you'll have to you'll have to see how a how they perform. But it's hard to see that the Marlins finish above the Mets and the Braves or even the Phillies. I'd say, and then the Nationals are going to be the last team. They're going to be some things that are fun to watch and some things that aren't. They still have Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz signed there. I feel like they're doing this to trade Nelson Cruz in the middle of the season, even though Nelson Cruz said they're going to make more moves. They really didn't make any more moves, and. They just don't have what it takes to contend right now. And that's kind of crazy to say because they just won the World Series in 2019. And they haven't been the same since. Ryan Zimmerman's gone. He was pretty solid for them. He wasn't like what he used to be, but he was pretty solid. Um, I know Cade Cavalli has a chance of being called up this year, and I hope he is because, I mean, Knox fans need something to root for. I know he got rocked for like 10 runs in the Cardinals game a few, um, a few days ago. But that's 
doesn't mean a whole lot. He's going to come back. He's going to be a beast for the Nats. And, but he's not going to be on a winning team this year. I don't think the Nationals are finishing better than 70 wins or so. Going to the NL Central, if you remember my American League video, you remember that I ranted about the Guardians and the A's ownership. There's going to be a couple of rants probably in this division with the Reds and the Pirates, but we're going to get to there because the team finishing first, I would say, is the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, the Cardinals, they're interesting case in their own, but when you see the Brewers, they have Corbin Burns, they have Brandon Woodruff, they have Freddie Peralta, and then you look at their, their bullpen. They have Devin Williams and Josh Hader. They have way more pitchers than that. In fact, offense is mainly the problem. Setting Andrew McCutcheon is not the 100% fix to that, but it is a very, very solid signing. And the Brewers, it was their offense, I feel like, that, that held them back last year. I feel like if they had a better offense, they could be way better. That's kind of crazy to say because there are guys who were performing very, very well, like Willie Adonis and Roddy Teles, who just came from other teams, and they started performing very, very well. And I don't know. I, the ship might have sailed on Christian Yelich. Now, Yelich hasn't been a bad player in the last few years. He hasn't been one of the best hitters in baseball in the last few years. And he does walk a lot. But if he doesn't, if he's not back to his 2018 or 19 form, I think it's very hard. I think it's, I think we're able to say that Yelich isn't what he's going to be. He had two phenomenal years, and he's still a pretty good player. But he's, I don't know if he's ever going to be 2018 or 19 again. I would love to see him be that way. I think he, I think he has possibility of it. But I don't think, I don't think that it's going to be here if he doesn't show that good in 2022. Because, I mean, there are times in the 2021 season and the 2020 season where I completely forgot that Yelich existed, which is kind of sad because a guy who won the MVP two years before that, a guy who had an amazing slash line, like a phenomenal slash line in 2019, shouldn't be forgotten about in two years or so. But that's kind of how Yelich has been. He's just kind of been average. Um, But if you can become better, then the Brewers have a really good chance at having a better offense, which is what they need. The Cardinals are going to be in second place. Um, the Cardinals have it. And I can't really tell you what it is, but they have, the last two years, they have shown how they can consistently improve. In the 2020 season, they had one of the worst COVID outbreaks in the league. I think they had the worst. They had to play 53 games in 44 days. Made the playoffs, played well through it. In 2021, they looked dead in the water until they won 17 games in a row. They have a great outfield, Tyler Neal, Harrison Bader. Um, uh, headlining, outlining it, um, great infield, uh, Nolan Arenado. I feel like Edmundo Sosa is going to take Paul DeYoung's job. Paul Goldschmidt's is pretty solid. Tommy Edmonds is pretty solid. Um, Albert Pools is back, and that's um, that's a very good uh, story to end out. Yachty, um, Wayne, Wainwright, and Pools all playing on the same team. Then Pools and Wayne, or I think they're all announced they were going to retire. I think Wainwright announced it was going to be his last year. Yachty announced it last year that 2022 was going to be his last year, and Pools announced it. So yeah, they're gonna it's going to be the last year. It's going to be a pretty great story. 
think the Cardinals finish 88 to 90 wins and they make the playoffs. Does Pujols hit 21 home runs to reach 700 or not? That depends how many left-handed pitchers he faces because that's really – I feel like if he only faced left-handed pitchers last year, which they ended up doing that near the end of the season, but then he would have hit a few more and it wouldn't be so much. But I think it is possible he passes A-Rod at least and gets 697. Okay. He's also going to have um, – he also has a chance to reach 3,000 3, games unless a horrific injury happens because he, he's at 2,971 right now, I believe. But Pujols, great career. I know he's not close to what he used to be, and it's really sad, honestly, because his whole Angels tenure was really sad because it was kind of like watch – it would be like if you watched Michael Jordan for 10 years on the Bulls and then he signs this big, giant contract with, let's say, the Lakers. Because, I mean, the Angels are technically in Anaheim, but we're in, say, the Lakers because Los Angeles. And Michael Jordan ends up being injured every single year. And people don't remember, really, how good he was. And I hope that Pujols gets a great ending. I hope he's satisfied with his major league career. Now, one of the reasons that he could be regressing is because he's not actually as old as he says. But that's a conspiracy theory, and we can dive into that later if you really want to. But I I hope Pools has a good send-off, and it's really good that he's doing it with Yachty and Wayno. And they do have a solid team. I just think the Brewers are better. Water break. Let's talk mediocre. Chicago Cubs. The Cubs, I... Think they made some good acquisitions, and they have a pretty good um, farm system because they traded away all their guys. They got some great pieces from the Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, Kimbrel, whoever else, Chafin trades from last year. Nick Madrigal is a good uh, guy to point out, and if if things go right, maybe they could win eighty four, maybe games, but. It's hard to see the Cubs above that. Marcus Stroman's a great signing. And I just don't know if I see them finishing super high. There's not really a whole lot to say about the Cubs. I think the worst part, I would say, is that their rebuild's kind of being led by Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom. Great stories, but they're both, like, in their 30s. You don't want your rebuild to be headlined by, like, two 30-year-old rookies. Um, And then we're going to go on the rant. So if you... Or we're on the owner side of the lockout, then you might want to like close close out of the video or skip to a timestamp where we talk about the NL the NL West because uh, this is this might get a little ugly for Bob Castellani and Bob Nutting. Okay, we're going to talk about the Reds. The Reds are one of the most frustrating teams in baseball because they're so close to contending. Heck, the only thing that stopped them from making the playoffs last year was a a seventeen game winning streak, which I mean it's not like that happens every single year, and B their multiple series losses to the Pirates in September. And that's why they ended up 83 and 79. And they don't think maybe we could build on this. Maybe we can get a few guys and we can uh, make this team better. No, they trade away Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez for almost nothing. And I'm not saying anything that's Brandon Williamson. 
I'm saying that it was a bad trade, and they do develop pitching well. There's not, it's not like the Pirates where there's nothing to be excited about. Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. Get excited about those guys. Those guys are going to be amazing. But they traded Amir Garrett for basically nothing. Like, I just, I, they tore everything down. And it's frustrating because they're right there. If they made a few moves, they didn't even sign like a big name guy. They could have signed like a sneaky good guy and they would have been a better team. But that's not what's happening. And if I was a Reds fan, I'd be frustrated with Bob Castellani. If, here's my idea. If you are so poor to where you can't spend 50 or $60 million on the team, then why do you have the team in the first place? This goes for you too, Bob Nutting. If, for some reason, if you're listening, Bob, what are you doing here, Bob Nutting, if you're listening to this? But if you're so poor that you can't spend 50 to $60 million on your team at least, you should sell the team because you're poor. Um, the Reds did develop pitching well, and I just feel like they didn't get a whole lot in return for most of their trades, and it's what is wrong with some of the owners in baseball, is that they would rather rebuild and tear everything down than, um, spend a little bit more money to put them in front. That's the Reds' rants. The Reds, they're not super good, I would say. I think the best they could do is about 75 wins. I think they get more close to 66 or 67. Joey Votto is going to have a really tough final few years because the Reds are in full rebuild, and they're not going to be very good this year and probably not next year either. Now we're going to get on to the Pirates, who are themselves an embarrassment to baseball. The Pirates are going to be awful again this year, and – I'm sorry, Pirates fans. This isn't anything against you. I think Brian Hayes is amazing. Brian Reynolds, if he gets traded, that'll suck. But Brian Reynolds, when he's playing for you, is amazing. But we're going to talk about O'Neill Cruz. Because in an embarrassment to basically everyone, the Pirates are sending O'Neill Cruz down to AAA, even though he's majorly ready. I don't care if his, if his service time clock started in 2021. If he's majorly ready, he should be playing. I mean, what are you, you're not competing or going for anything. Like, if you know baseball, you know Bob Nutting is one of the worst owners in baseball. He doesn't even try to spend money. You know the most amount of money that has ever been spent on a guy? I believe it was Francisco Liriano. Like, that's that's hilarious, isn't it? Three years and about, like, $39 million, Or maybe it was less. I feel like they've never, I feel like I heard something saying they've never given out a $10 million contract. That's embarrassing. Having the lowest payroll in baseball is not something to be proud of from an owner's standpoint. Well, one time they picked uh, Daniel Moskos, I think, third or fourth in the draft, not because he was the third or fourth best player, but because he was like the 25th best player. But they wanted, they didn't have the 25th pick, they had the third pick. I mean, uh, the, the test with that is if you're not a Clemson fan, do you know who Daniel Moskos is? Exactly. Not a lot of non-Clemson people. And know. I had trouble remembering his name. Yeah, we had to like go on a whole Google manhunt to find him. <clears throat> but the Pirates, it's just an embarrassment to baseball. And I know that no owners can really be forced out unless they do like some incredibly bad stuff like racism or sexism or like her physically hurting people. But 
Bob Nutting needs to be out of the owner circle. Bob Nutting stands for every single um, bad thing that an owner can be. Um, careless, cheap. But I feel like he doesn't care about the fans is my perspective. And that's me not being a Pirates fan. I'm not a Pirates fan. It's just kind of crazy that he can be such a great businessman and care about his other businesses so much. But for his baseball team, it's no. We are going to be cheap. We're going to get the. We're going to try our best to be just one of the worst teams in baseball. That's why they've had three winning years in the last, or three playoff years in the last twenty-three or twenty-four years. And this isn't meant to be a bit of a rant, but I'm sure Pirates fans are frustrated. How do you think Pirates fans felt after Will Craig made that impre- incredibly stupid play, where? He chased Javier by his home even though he could touch the bag and then the throw was lazy and then a run scored and then the throw up there was away and Baez got to second and then the throw that way was away. Like, you guys remember that play. Will Craig, he was so embarrassed that he went to Korea or <laughs> Japan. He could not be in the major league field anymore. And then do you remember Brian Hayes missing the missing the base? Pirates fans are frustrated and they deserve better. Any Every fan base deserves for their owner to not be apathetic however i feel like we're never going to get that from the pirates unless bob nutting is gone and it's why i feel like there's never anybody there in pnc park it's a beautiful ballpark i haven't been there myself but i've seen some great photos and i hope to go there someday but that's why there's no one there same thing with the orioles same thing with the guardians same thing with the rays same thing with the a's it's there's still the CBA was good, but there still needs to be a way that there needs to be somebody to stop the Bob Nuttings of the world. But the Pirates, they're going to struggle. Um, when O'Neill Cruz comes up, who knows when that's going to be? Probably May or so. But knowing them, they're probably going to be like, oh, he wasn't actually major league ready, even though we brought him up to the major leagues last year for the last two games. Um, it's just... Again, it's not good for baseball. But the Pirates are going to struggle. I feel like they're going to win 57 to 50 to 60 games. And I think they're going to be one of the worst teams. I don't. I think they're less talented than the Orioles. I mean, their pitching is just horrible besides David Bednar. Um, but I, I think that they're going to have a better record than the Orioles. Like I said in the last one, I think the Orioles are just going to be beaten down and beaten down and beaten down with the ALEs. So, anyways, those rants are done. It, it got kind of annoying, I understand. But we're going to talk about one last division. We're going to talk about the NL West. Dodgers aren't going to have a whole lot of talking about because they added Freddie Freeman. I mean, they kind of – I don't want to say that they got better because, I, I mean, you lost Corey Seager and Max Scherzer. You should not be getting better after you lose those guys, but yeah, they did. And the Dodgers, they are a very smart organization. I get most fans, me, myself included, Give them crap from time to time, so their payroll is about the GDP of a small Caribbean island. Thanks to a certain YouTuber who gave me that joke. I don't want to steal it from him, but I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but the Dodgers, they're a very smart organization. They have, they definitely have the most talent in all of baseball. They've been looked at as an all-star team. Andrew Heaney's going to be a great acquisition because I feel like they are smart enough to... 
um, to make him better, if that makes sense. Because they have some good coaches. That's why most of the guys come up and are pretty good because um, – because the coaches take the time and actually care about the product that's going to be out there. Same thing with the Rays. The owners might not care about the Rays, but the coaches and the Myers sure do. Kimbrell is a great addition. They added a lot of bullpen arms. The Dodgers might be the best team in the National League West, but we did say that last year. The Giants were. The Giants are my number two team. Now, as you can tell, I've gone on rants and tangents and like random little things with in the American League and in the National League. But I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here. The Giants are the most criminally underrated team in baseball right now. And if you think that the Giants were only good because Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey had renaissance to their careers, you don't understand why they were good. They platoons. Have you ever seen Lamont Wayne Jr. play 162 games? No, and you're probably never going to see that unless he's playing for like the Orioles or something like that. Um, their platoons were why they were good. They played the matchups. Gabe Kapler went from being from looking like one of the worst managers in baseball to one of the best managers in baseball. I guess he weirdly needs a team that he needs to control everything, if that makes sense. But, or maybe it's just the Phillies' fault, because, I mean, who knows? Um, the, the Giants, you forget why they were so good. Jock Peterson's a great addition. Signing Carlos Rodon is a great way to make up for the missing space that um, Kevin Gossman left. But I think the Giants, I don't know if they're going to win 107 games. It's really hard to predict any team to win 107 games. Giants could win, I think they could win 95. And if their platooning continues to work, maybe 100. Which is a bit, that's their high. I'd say maybe their low is 90 or 88. But I think to say the Giants absolutely unequivocally fall off, because they were lucky last season, is um, a bit of a stupid take, in my opinion. The Mariners were lucky last season, and everyone's saying that they're going to be better this year. Like People are forgetting why the Giants were so good, and why they were so good was because of platoons. That's why Posey and Crawford and Belt only played 110, 100. Uh, I think Crawford had the most games. He had like 137 or so, if I remember correctly. I know Crawford was on the injured list, but that's why they didn't play all these games, even though their careers had a renaissance, because they were platooning. And I feel like they're going to continue to succeed platooning. And that's probably one of the most different takes that anybody has, because I feel like people are expecting the Giants to fail this season. And I was expecting them to fail last year. Everyone was. I think it's funny that Giants fans will talk to someone they're like man you predicted us to fail everyone predicted them to fail i mean how can you probably even predict them to fail but now you're not saying it because you're wrong but the giants point taken they're a very good team and they should not be overlooked i will say this um i did not know what to expect from the giants but i will say I was way ahead of fan graphs on my remember my standings that i did my projected standings yeah. I was kept saying Fangrass was saying they're going to go 85 and 77 or whatever, and I had them at like 98 and 64. I was a little bit better. Wasn't on target with 107, of course. Nobody was, as you mentioned, but um, I had no idea what to expect. Sorry for interrupting. It's okay. Um, but the yeah, I just feel like you can down the Giants after this year. If they go back to being bad, then sure, laugh at me. 
even though I've used some good information, I guess. Um, we're going to go to the third team. That's going to be the San Diego Padres. Wow, I have never seen a team go from such a high to such a low. It probably feels like right now for the Padres. And they still have a talented team, but Tatis is out for three months. And I think it's possible that the Padres missed the playoffs after this year. They didn't do a whole lot to get better. Adam Shamanai is really good, but and they have some good starting pitching. And I know they were injured a lot last year, but I don't know if it's going to be di- any different this year because Tatis is, is injured too. C.J. Abrams is going to come up. I think he had a chance to win NL Rookie of the Year. That's kind of like my fun pick. But um, I think Hunter Green for the um, Reds is going to be Rookie of the Year. Hunter Green? Yeah, Hunter Green. Um However, I don't uh, – C.J. Abrams is a bit of my pick. I just don't think that they can go off well without Tatis. And maybe they do. But the Padres, they're winning. They had a lot of close games in early season, and then they started losing those close games. So they – I remember the 2020 offseason, and probably the highest point was in August of uh, 2021 because that was when their best record was. But then it just collapsed, and it was horrible. I, they lost every single way. And I agree with you, because if you think about MVP, what that means, most valuable player, Tatis is that for the Padres without a doubt. And he turns the games around on his own, right? Yes. Not not even being a pitcher. Usually you see somebody like Verlander or somebody who could do that from the now, Scherzer, DeGrom. But he does it from the plate, and they losing that until June is what? Let's see, let's say twenty two or three games in April and thirty in May for a third of the season at least. They've lost the best player uh, on their team and one of the best of the National League, probably top ten in the MLB. I'll say that. And um, before and since I've talked about Salvador Perez and somebody else, I'm going to get in on this MLB Instagram. No, Fernando Tatis Jr. is not overrated. He is a generational talent. His errors don't mean anything. And that's because, A, he had a shoulder surgery, so it's not like his his gloves fine. It's his throws. And all, basically, you can't take, you can't use, he's such a good player batting-wise that you can't use 16 throwing errors against him, or however many it was. Unless you are a generationally bad fielder, which he was one of the, statistically, he was one of the, it's very confusing because his, his glove is good. He's able to get to balls, and he's able to, to scoop them up very well. His throws are what hurts him, and that's partially because of the, sh- the shoulder injury that he had last year that made him miss like 30 games or so. But you can't use those 16 throwingers against him because he's so good at the plate. The reason why I would say that Salvador Perez gets knocked for his, uh, for his feelings is because, one, everybody, some people think he's a good fielder, which isn't true. But, two, he is hitting more home runs. But, like, like I said, that's not useless. But he isn't, an elev- he isn't a super good hitter besides home runs. Now, home runs are great, but he is striking out more. And he walks like once a month, maybe. That's a bit of an exaggeration. Maybe it's like four or five times a month. But you can't 
Tatis is such a good player, you can't use this throwing race. I think it's mostly Dodgers fans. But basically what I'm saying is, if you think Fernando Tatis Jr. is overrated, I mean this very kindly, but you're an idiot. You don't know baseball if you think Fernando Tatis Jr. is overrated. I'm sorry. If you go and look at all of his stats and say that he's overrated, then you're just, you're stupid. Also, another gripe I have with MLB Instagram, this is going to be my last gripe with MLB Instagram for the day. Yeah, maybe we do. Yeah, I know. But they're posting more about Tatis, but people are complaining about that, but apparently they need to market their players a few years ago. Like, what do you want? Like, I don't understand. What What do you want? Do you want there to not be posts and for players not to be marketed? Or do you want for there to be posts, but then you call the players overrated because there's so many posts about them? Like, what do you want? The way that MLB will succeed is if they market their players. The reason why they aren't succeeding right now is because they aren't marketing Mike Trout. If you think somebody can't be marketed because they're boring, just look at Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is the most boring player in the NBA. But the NBA is able to market him. And very easily. And this comes from somebody who's actually met Kawhi in person and a 15-year-old who has decades ahead of him of purchasing power, whether it's going to games or jerseys or or baseball paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. It's usually <laughs> drug reference, isn't it? Um, <laughs> baseball gear. Merchandise. Merchandise ahead of him uh, purchasing uh, stuff. And while he likes the Astros, he, he has jerseys of Randy Rosarina and other players too. So uh, you need to listen to the 15-year-old in this one. Yes. Um, I have met Kawhi in person, and he wasn't mean to me, but he was very boring. He looked, <laughs> he looked like he'd rather be somewhere else, which is kind of how he always looks. <laughs> but you have to use that to market, and um, it's good. If you're on Instagram and you're tired of seeing Tatis, then unfollow MLB on Instagram. It's not that difficult. It's good that MLB is posting about him. It's good that they're posting about Aaron Judge. It's good that they're posting about all these guys. That's how you market your players. And if you market your players, you're not going to need any stupid rules to be introduced to help fans get into the game. The the fans will come to the game themselves if you market the players well. Uh, If you're listening to this, Rob Manfred, you should probably hire me because I think I'm a bit smarter than most of the guys running MLB. All right. I think most of the viewers are too. So I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I'm putting everyone else on a pedestal. You're knocking Rob Manfred down. <laughs> and the people like the associates. Okay. Back to the preview. Yeah. Back to the preview. If also, if you just want me to like go on and randomly talk about baseball, and I'm definitely down to just talk about like my thoughts and opinions on everything for about like an hour or so because it's fun. Back to my thoughts and opinions. The Rockies. I do like that they spent money on Chris Bryant. I don't think that they're – I still don't think they're a well-run organization. Here's why. Why didn't they trade away John Gray or Trevor Story in the in the middle of the season? Because they're going to try and resign them? They didn't try that at all. They're going to lose them for nothing, basically. And – Something. Um, and if you were, if you really, really, really were going to do the right thing, you would trade it away, Trevor Story or John Gray, or try to resign them. I don't know if they're, I feel like the Rockies, what they do is they use cores to their advantage. If they're like, this guy's not worth 
worth it, even though he has a 150 OPS plus? It's because he hits in cores. This guy is bad uh, at pitching. It's because he's in cores. That's how I, that's how I feel like it is. Um, and losing Trevor Story is tough. I feel bad for Rockies fans because they lost Arenado, they lost Story. But, like imagine in uh, imagine having Arenado, Story, and Brian on the same team. If the Rockies management weren't so incompetent, you know they paid fifty million dollars to get Nolan Arenado away. They did not want him at all for some reason. I'm not saying it was justified or anything. Their pitching is still horrible outside of Herman Marquez, and I would say that the Rockies are fourth. I feel like the Diamondbacks are worse though. The Diamondbacks, people are saying they're injured. People are saying this and that. They just don't seem like a very talented team. They at, but they're trying to buy for some reason. They got Mark Melanson. They did do something I liked and got Brett Brett Strom. Well, I guess I kind of don't like that because he was the Astros, but it was his. But it was a very good sort of move if that makes sense for them. It's going to help them a lot. They do have a few good young guys. Josh Rojas. I would say that they signed Catel Marte to a pretty good, uh, pretty good team friendly contract. I he said he wants to be a Diamondbacks for life. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Diamondbacks are going to trade him, and I think that's the reason why he signed for a five-year, $76 million contract, even though he's worth way more than that. Or maybe it was the injury history, because, you know, Cattell Marte, he's one of the best players in baseball when he's healthy, and he's healthy for, like, two or three months of the year, it feels like. Maybe that's just, like, recency bias, because he was injured a lot last year. But I do think that he is a really good player, but he's not healthy. So I guess it could make sense how he has such little, he, he didn't get as much money as I think he could have. I feel like Catel Marte will be a very, very good player. Well, how am I saying that? He is a good player. Okay, let me try that again. I feel like if Catel Marte was in a bigger market, like he was with the Yankees or if he was with the Dodgers, and he would know who he is. But Catel Marte is one of the most underrated stars in baseball because he's with the Dynamax. I'm sorry, Dynamax fans, but. Um, you aren't really cared about outside of Arizona. And I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying how it kind of is. Especially when you're not very good. But the Diamondbacks, I feel like they're trying to foolishly buy. One of their good, uh, one of their good young guys, J.B. Bukowskis. Is his name Bukowskis or Bustakis? Bukowskis. Bukowskis. I think I was thinking it might be Bustakis for some reason. But J.B. Bukowskis, he's out for a little while. The Diamondbacks don't have a whole lot of pitch and mass, and Bumgarner's not really that good anymore. I think Zach Gallen can be a very, very solid pitcher, if uh, especially Brett Strong's working on him. But I just don't think they have a whole lot of talent, and I do think the Diamondbacks finished last place. I hope you enjoyed uh, this video. If you did, please make sure that you like, share, comment, and subscribe. Before we go, Parker Coleman, I want you to give your predictions on American League pivot. National League pennant and World Series champion. Okay. I mean, I feel like it's it's what do you call it when everybody does it right and it's a crapshoot because you don't know who's going to be injured and and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, let's do it. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the Twins were supposed to win the World Series last year. That worked <laughs> out horribly. Uh, you can edit out that goodbye and this talking right now. But I would say this is going to sound so boring and basic. I'm not going to choose the Astros, and here's why. I think that they can make the World Series. I think that, I, first of all, I want to be interesting, because I feel like everyone has chosen Astros-Dodgers the whole, the whole time. 
I think that after it's gonna make the World Series, I'm gonna get that out of the way, so nobody starts calling me a fake fan or anything. Fan or anything. But my prediction is gonna be the Blue Jays and the Dodgers. Blue Jays have gotten so much better, and the Dodgers are just good. Period. So, I I think it's Blue Jays and the Dodgers, and I feel like either team can win. Honestly, and if I had to choose, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose the Blue Jays because I don't want to be one of those people who are like, oh, the Dodgers are gonna win the World Series. Like who? Everyone thinks that. It would be more fun. If and the Dodgers have only won one World Series in the last thirty years or so, so everyone's wrong. Why not choose a, te- a different team? Yeah, um, the Blue Jays. I think I saw a list yesterday. They had like seven of the top fifty American League players. I can't remember, but there's some ridiculous number. They had seven of the top whatever players, right? And if there's twenty five players on the twenty eight, I guess on every major league team. That's three or four hundred in the American League, and they had seven on that list. So, not a bad pick at all. I that's really good pick. And we know Lance McCullers is out, Jake Myers is out. Uh, and that's just to start with. So, um, I I don't see. I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I now, right. You know, I was just going to say you can do your closing. Oh, I was going to say the Blue Jays. It's hard to choose against their offense. Because they have Vlagaro Jr., probably the best hitter, one of the best hitters in baseball, in the American League, definitely, I would say. Bobachette's a great hitter. Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer, when he's healthy. And they added Matt Chapman and got Yusei Kikuchi. Matt's pushing them forward, even though they were a 91-win team. It's not like they were a bad team last year. They were a phenomenal team last year who sadly missed out in the playoffs. One of the best teams I think that will ever go down to ever miss out in the playoffs. But I think that um, they added pitching, and I feel like they figured some pitching stuff out. They were really shaky in, um, in the beginning of 2020. But again, they're in minor league ballparks. They're in Dunedin and Buffalo and somewhere else, I think. Florida at some point. And they play everywhere. Yeah, they played in like three or four, three different places, counting Toronto. But, and even though people call that an excuse from Ross Strickland said it, it's really, really tough whenever you don't know where you're going to live for a month or so. And they still succeed. They still played pretty well. So, hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, definitely make sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, do all that cool stuff. If you if you enjoyed it, of course. If you didn't enjoy it, don't, don't feel pressured to do anything. Um... I'm thinking about doing... I'm definitely going to do game recaps after the first game. But it'll be really hard because doing it every day is really daunting, especially when you're in the MLB where there are like 13 to 15 games on almost every single day. It's not like... Not that it's easier to do it... Not that it's easy to do it in the NBA or NHL, but it's a little easier because there are going to be some days where there's like one or two games on. But baseball is every single day. I would like to do it every single day, but obviously some, some stuff might come up. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed. If you did... Make sure you like, share, comment, and subscribe. And um, that's it. Goodbye. Very good stuff, Parker Coleman. Until next time, this is Marty Coleman uh, and Parker Coleman saying thank you for listening and watching if you're watching whatever we put on the screen that isn't us. Yeah. Good night and have fun.